Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the third and final installment in our Hungering for God series. And um, before I jump into it, our wonderful MC said that today is the last day in the fasting series, not the last day in the fasting. Okay, so you just want to make sure about that. That today's the last day in the fasting series, but we still have the rest of the fasting until January 7th. For those of you who are just joining us here today for the first time, we're happy that you're here. And you might not be very happy that you're here when you hear the topic is fasting. And the usual reaction would be like, oh man, I came on one of the fasting weeks. But I'm asking you to give this fasting thing a chance. What we said in the beginning is that all of us have like our preconceived ideas about what fasting is. We want to remove those because some of them, like I said, we have kind of like the two extremes of the fasting, where fasting is, you know, meaningless and worthless and a waste of time and not important, and then fasting is greater than, than scripture itself, all right, and there's nothing more important than fasting. We want to kind of get rid of these, we want to see fasting from a biblical perspective and from an early church perspective, all right, so we've been looking at what the Bible says about fasting, what Jesus said about fasting, but also what the church in the first days after the resurrection of Christ and the church first started, what they had to say about fasting. Our theme verse has been Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Jesus says, But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. Here's the key part for our series. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Jesus promises a reward to those who fast the right way. So not just to fasting, but to those who fast in the right way. So all, all series, we've been looking at what this reward is, and we agree that we don't know what the reward is, but we know that we want it. What that reward means for my family, for my career, for my job, for my sinfulness, for my marriage, whatever, whatever it is. Well, I want a reward, so fasting yields a reward. When you talk about fasting today, fasting is not the most, like I said, most popular subject. The world that we live in today the idea of depriving yourself of something that you really want for seemingly no reason isn't a very popular concept. You tell the normal average guy, like I said, is that welcome to the Coptic church, don't touch that sandwich. Okay, the average normal guy says, why? What's, what's the benefit of it? I can still pray in my heart, who cares what sandwich I eat? And doesn't God want me to be healthy? And y'all know you need to get the three squares or the, the more healthy people. You know, you need the many meals throughout the day. And I want to be healthy. And I need energy for work. And for the average person who hasn't grown up in the fasting world, it's a very foreign concept. So I totally understand that. And I don't want anyone to feel like judged or feel like, like they're bad because they don't naturally like look forward to the fast. All right? But by the same token... I want us to see, like I said, what the Bible has to say about it and what this reward is all about. The two extremes, the one extreme is, I don't need fasting. And a lot of those people, the I don't need fasting people, base their opinion on the other extreme of people, which, like I said, that fasting, it doesn't matter if I swear, if I curse, if I get into a fight at the bar, as long as I say no cheese on the bean burrito at Taco Bell, then I'm in good shape. All right? And a lot of times these people push these people further and further away from where it is that we want to be. Yes, this is not the right way to go. But we do not want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because Jesus was not against fasting. 
All right, this is important. And sometimes we say, like, the Pharisees fasted, and Jesus was against them. Yes, he was against them, but he was no more against fasting than he was against uh, tithing. He wasn't against those things. He was against them in the wrong way, all right? And the example that I always say is Matthew 23, 23, when Jesus spoke about those outward acts, those ritualistic acts. He said, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he didn't say, don't give, don't fast, don't offer sacrifices. He's not saying that. He's saying love, mercy, and peace, and, 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 and justice. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. It's not a either or. It's a we want the inside to match the outside. That's the beauty of orthodoxy has always been the outer life matched with an inner spirit. Today, we are going to discuss the topic of fasting and discipline. Last week we talked about the relation, or two weeks ago we talked about the relationship between fasting and repentance. Today we're going to talk about the relationship between fasting and discipline. And there is not a person sitting amongst us today that doesn't need more discipline in life. Is there? Is there anyone going into 2013 saying, I'm good this year. Don't need to make any changes. Perfectly, you know, got everything under control. Anyone? I'll tell you, you want to see self-discipline? You want to know your need for self-discipline? Just look down at your plate next time you're at the, at the buffet at Shoney's, okay? And you will see your need for discipline in life. As a society, we stink at discipline. We are at the lowest level of discipline and self-control that we have ever been in. As close as possible as we can get to the animals is where we are now. Because the society that we live in preaches, um, obey your thirst. Okay? Have it your way. Even our friends at Nike, just do it. Alright? Teach you just whatever it is that you want to do, just do it. Whatever it is that you want. That's why, don't, no one take this personal or nothing like that. That's why divorce is higher than it's ever been. That's why adultery is higher than it's ever been. That's why premarital relationships are higher than they've ever been. That's why level of abortions are higher than they've ever been. Why? Because we, in general, we lack self-control. We are a very indulgent society, and it is difficult to go to that kind of society and say, don't eat. And fasting is very difficult to do. Well, the good news for us is, is that world that we live in of lacking discipline and lacking self-control, if that's where you are right now, then you are not in bad company. You are in good company with a guy called St. Paul who said in Romans 7.15, he said, what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. What he's saying is, is I don't understand myself. And I think we can all relate to this. Is that I come and I say, I hate this. I hate this, I hate this. And then I go and do this. And then I say, I love that. I want to do more of that. And then I never ever do that. Isn't that the story of all of our lives? Isn't that what the week before New Year's is all about? Is saying that this we hate and this we love. And we're never going to do this. And we know we're going to do this again before we even finish the sentence. And saying that we're going to do this every single day. And we don't even do it more than two days in a row. St. Paul had that same problem. The difference between us and St. Paul is this. Is that St. Paul did something about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. I love this passage of the Bible so much. Because it shows you that even St. Paul could relate sports to spirituality. Do you not know that those who run, run in a, do you not know those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. 
But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. I love this sports analogy that he makes. He says that everyone runs, but not everyone wins. And he's saying, run to win. Saying that you play to win the game, as a wise man once said. That you play to win. If you're going to run in this race, don't be content to be near the back. Run in such a way that you win the prize. How do I win the prize? He said, I discipline my body, bring it into subjection. Part of being a human being means that you've got problems outside your control. You've got a temper that you can't control. You've got thoughts that you can't control. You've got worries and anxieties that you can't control. You've got fears that you can't control. You've got words that you say, behaviors that you can't control. That's part of being a human being. But the part of being a spiritual being is never being content with that, but always striving against those things and trying to bring them under control. Just as an athlete, all right, who wants to win, someone who wants to be an athlete. Like you want to be, um, like if anyone, you know, had an you know, athletic career, all right, or knows someone who you know, did anything semi-athletic, it changes your whole life. Like if I, want to, if I want to be, you know, a professional athlete or I want to be good at anything in life, then I got to watch what I eat and I got to make sure that I exercise and I got to, anything that goes in my body, I need to be careful. And if we are going to be spiritual beings who win the race that we need to bring our bodies into subjection. Said another way, here's our key thought for today. Our key thought for today is that progress always requires discipline. Progress always requires discipline. Find me one thing in life of value that you can be very good at with no effort. You want to be a doctor. You're not just going to show up at medical school and whiz through and become, and here, 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 you're now a doctor. You're not going to be a great uh, lawyer or a great, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to become unless you put in the effort. Spiritually, it's the same concept. If we want results and if we want success, then we must be dedicated. If I say, I want to be you know, world-class athlete. You know, I want, you, you don't, it's not snap, snap your fingers become world-class. It's okay, put down the donut. Okay, get yourself to the gym. All right, go to sleep. All right, and that's that can life of consistency, that discipline and self-control over a long period of time that yields the results. Spiritually, what is the one area that we struggle with more than any other area? I'll answer it for you. It is not desire. It is not motivation. It is not ability. That's not why we're struggling spiritually. It is lacking consistency. Agree or disagree? It's not desire. It's not that you don't want it. You want it. And it's not that you don't know how to get it. You know how to get it. Our problem is that we lack consistency. We lack discipline. That's where fasting comes in. Last time we agreed that fasting is not supposed to be used as a tool, but fasting is used as a response. Remember I said that? The fasting is a response to something God does or stops doing. So God, you know, says, I'm going to do this, and the people fasted as a response. 
not the other way around. We don't use fasting as a manipulative tool. That God, okay, I'm going to fast and give me, give me, give me, please, please, please. It appears that what I just said is that fasting is in order to gain discipline. It appears that's what I just said, but that's not what I just said. Fasting is not used as a manipulative tool to gain discipline or self-control. We're using fasting as a response to our realization that we have no control and that we have no discipline and that we have a lot of sins inside of us and that we are very weak. Again, back to the athlete example. I'm an athlete. I say, I want to become pro. I'm not lifting weights to become a pro. Lifting weights is not the goal. I'm, I'm lifting weights because I said I want to achieve this and then I realized I'm too weak to achieve this. So in response to my weakness and my realization of my weakness, I say I need to lift weights. In response to my realization that I'm not strong enough to be able to accomplish this goal, then I start to give myself discipline in order to build my strength up. I know the difference is subtle, but it's important because we do not want to get into the type of fasting that, like I said last time, becomes like a... a I did this, so God owes me this. Or, I fasted, so God, like, is, it, I have to, to convince God. We, 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 get, we stay away from that kind of stuff. We are fasting in response to God and something that God reveals. And specifically, like I said, fasting is a response to the realization of sin and weakness. That's why, from the start, Okay, so we agree right now that I realize my sinfulness, my, weak, my weakness. I got to do something about it. Fasting is a response to that realization. That's why, from the very beginning, the church gave us something called stationary fasts. Y'all know what stationary fast is? The earliest form of fasting was what's called stationary fast. Y'all can figure it out. Y'all know how to speak English. Stationary means Something that is set, it's regular, and it's always there. And it's there week after week, after week after week, and now, because it's something that's set, your life rhythms, okay, the rhythm of life, part of it is the self-discipline or the self-control through fasting. What is a stationary fast? It's everyone's two favorite days of the week. It is Wednesdays and Fridays. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who do not know, okay, that our church teaches us that every Wednesday and Friday, for the entire year, with the exception of six of them, all right, that we fast. Not our parents fast, not that our ancestors fast, but we fast. I know I'm going to get some rocks thrown at me right here. Okay, and like I said, for those who weren't here week one, what did I say? I started week one with a confession. I said, a public confession. The public confession was, y'all remember what I said? I said, I hate fasting. Okay? That was my public confession from day one. So I might sit here and say, like, fasting, yes, get them. Okay? I'm not excited when it comes to fasting, and believe me, if I could erase Wednesdays and just go straight from Tuesday to Thursday to Saturday, I'd be the first one to do it. But I'm not here to preach my opinion or my thoughts. I'm here to look at what the church from the very, very beginning, and one of the things I said, I'm not here telling you you should fast because you should fast. I don't want to say that. And I want to say, erase from your mind this idea that the church tells us that we have to fast. Erase that. All right? Erase it just in your mind, not in reality. Okay, just in your mind, erase it, and see if after you look at what the early church was doing, 
then you should be convinced that I want to do it. Because doing it out of, out of, out of, of being pressured or forced is no benefit. So I'm not saying do it because you have to. I'm saying listen to me and see if you want to. And if you go back to the earliest writings of the church, there's a book called the Didache. The Didache is the writings of the 12 apostles. And it was written in the very, very, very first years after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. So when the church was in its earliest days. It's a very small little book. Okay, it's nothing big. You can go online and Google Didache, and you can read the whole thing in 15, 20 minutes. It's not long. In one of the, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, as, as plain as day, it says, Let not your fast be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and fifth day of the week, rather fast on the fourth day and the preparation. Preparation is Friday. Let me give a little history right here. From the very beginning, okay, so from before, like Jesus, before Jesus, the Jews, actually I think the Jews still to this day, fast twice a week. They fast on what days? No, we fast Wednesday and Friday. Monday and Thursday, okay? The, the second, Sunday's the first day, all right? Then the fifth. They fast Monday and Thursday. I just discovered this. You know why they fasted Monday and Thursday? Anyone know why? Monday and Thursday were, the most, were their market days, where everyone gathered together in the market. So they would fast on those days because they wanted just to be seen by as many people as possible. So they chose those two days, as these days we fast, then they walk around all gloomy, all right? That's why Jesus said, don't be like them, anoint your face, Chip, like uh, uh, chip her up a little bit, okay? Like, you know, they would walk around and be all somber and gloomy, show everyone how pious and religious they were by fasting. So the church said, fasting, we agree with, but don't do it the way they do it. Don't even do it on the same days they do it. And they said, you fast on the fourth day, Wednesday, and the preparation day is day of Friday. And did you know, for the first nine or ten centuries of Christianity, everyone did this. Everyone did it. It wasn't until the Protestant Reformation came around that, that that's where all things kinds of changed. Okay? That's where some people started going too far this way, and this guy this way, and then we started to throw out anything that looked legalistic and ritualistic and all this kind of stuff. And that's why a lot of people say, no, 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 we got rid of that fasting that was that legalistic stuff. Okay, that legalistic fasting, I agree, get rid of. But go back further, and you will find that fasting was from even before all that stuff. The earliest days, they fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. The way they fasted, as I told you guys before, their fasting was a little bit different than ours. There was like two options, or two, two ways that they fasted. And again, the most important part of fasting was not the, what are you eating? It was the period of not eating at all. All right, that's why, like I said, is you go to a normal person on the street, you got a tuna sandwich in this hand, you got some shrimps in this hand, all right, you got an elaborate spread in front of you, say, mmm, I'm fasting today, okay? They think that you're crazy. Okay, because fasting doesn't mean, and actually they speak specifically about this idea that when you're fasting, you're not to replace one good thing with more of another good thing, all right, which is in essence what we oftentimes do. Fasting for them was from evening of one day, because their day began in the evening, was from evening, like from dinner, the first night, let's, let's say Tuesday night dinner, okay, they would fast until roughly the same time next day, or depending on like health or whatever it is, some people break their fast earlier. But the idea was that from the evening, a period of fasting leading into the morning. And that's actually the same concept that we have for the liturgy. Alright, that we begin our fasting on Saturday evening, alright, and we're supposed to fast from Saturday evening until we break the fast early in the morning on Sunday with communion. Well, they wouldn't have communion on Wednesdays and Fridays necessarily, but they would break their fast with whatever meal. Another form of fasting that they also spoke about 
would some people, I guess it was, I think they would say like workers or farmers, whatever it was, would wake up early in the morning and they would have a meal, all right, and then they would abstain the rest of the day until evening, all right? So the point is, all the writings about fasting didn't speak about seafood or no cheese or anything like that. It spoke about no eating at all for a period of time because that's what true fasting is all about. Did Jesus fast? Absolute. Jesus fasted. Well, he fasted 40 days, of that, but that was like a unique thing. But I'm saying, did he fast a stationary fast? Absolutely. How do we know? Well, we, the Bible doesn't say in particular that Jesus did fast, but the Bible does say that Jesus was a religious man, and he was a pious, and he was respected as being a man who followed the law and obeyed the law, and that was part of the law. So Jesus and his disciples, they fasted. Now you would say, what about that passage where it says, how come you and your disciples don't fast? Jesus often broke the fast, which we'll talk about later, for a purpose. And I'll talk about that later. All right? But that doesn't negate the fact that for probably the first 32 years of his life, he did fast every Monday and Thursday in the stationary kind of a way. Why Wednesday and Friday? I said that fasting should be a response to sinfulness and weakness. Why Wednesday and Friday? Because those are the two days where we see human nature at its most sinful. Wednesday, we commemorate the day that man betrayed God. As they Judas sold out Jesus to the Pharisees. So we commemorate man could actually conceive in his mind to betray his maker. Sinfulness at its worst. Actually, no, not at its worst. Friday is at its worst. Because they that man killed God. That's the day that man killed his creator. And that shows the peak of human depravity and human wickedness and human sinfulness. And we realize that even though I wasn't there at that time, that what caused them to do that exists in here. Okay? What caused them to do that? What caused Judas to do that? What caused the bad guys to do that on Wednesday and Friday back then? That lives inside here. Maybe I, I have it a little more under control than they do right now. But there's nothing that says that it's not going to get to that stage unless I discipline myself and bring myself into subjection, lest when I preach to others I become disqualified. You know why the majority of people, the vast majority of people, don't do this fast? You know why? Because we don't understand. And we view this as a, like again, our mind is fasting is in order to get something from God. Well, I'm good on Wednesday, like I'm fine, I don't need anything. Like, I was fine on Monday, I was fine on Tuesday, I'm good on Wednesday. So why should I fast? Because fasting is not, that's why I'm saying I'm trying to get this out of your mind, that fasting is to get something. Fasting is not to get something. Fasting is a response to something that God reveals or God shows to us. And what God shows to you and me, and you know it and I know it, that you lack self-discipline. You lack self-control. <coughs> Maybe fasting could be the cure and help in that area. Now again, fasting must be done the right way. Two ideas about fasting to make sure that you're fasting the right way. Number one, make your fasting an act of worship. Make your fasting an act of worship, not a tool of manipulation. Make your fasting as something that you are offering to God, not asking anything in return, just offering to God. You realize that you need to offer to God? Make this something that you offer to God. Parents, you have two kids. 
you give them each a toy. And one boy says, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're the best, Dad. Another one says almost the exact same words. Thank you, Dad, so much. You're the best. I love you. But in their mind, they're doing it so they can get another gift. And you know, if you have parents, you know which kid is that one. Okay? Are the two the same? If they both say the exact same word. This one, thank you so much, Dad. I appreciate it. Perfectly content. This one, yeah, Dad. Yeah, you're really a good dad now. Yeah, look how great you are by giving all these nice gifts. Yeah, you're the best. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Same in your eyes? My fear is that our fasting is that way. Yeah, God, you're the best. Yeah, I love you. You're the best. Thank you so much. I'm saying make your fasting. God, you're the best. You're the best. I worship you. I praise you. I give you everything. I know I need help in self-discipline. I'm going to offer this. I, you're the best. Fasting should be an act of worship to God, not a manipulative tool to receive something from God. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? Repeats it. Did you really fast for me? For me? Or were you fasting because you wanted something from me? Are you being nice to me to be nice to me? Or are you being nice to me because you want to ask me something? You're being nice to me because you love me or because you broke the window while I was out at work. And that's why you're being nice to me. Yes, fasting is rewarded. But we do not fast to get the reward. Yes, it is rewarded, but we don't fast to get the reward. Because if that's how you're fasting, you will be disappointed. I can name you many righteous people, better than you and better than me, who fasted better than you, longer than you, and harder than you, and did not get what they were looking for from God. Any examples? Someone who fasted and prayed and was more righteous than me and you, begged God and got a big fat no. Anyone? Okay, Job. Okay, Job's kind of against his will. Okay, St. Paul is a great example. The one I was thinking is David. All right? David was better at you than fasting and better than you at praying. He was better than you in pretty much everything and better than me. Son, sick, fasted. Response, dead. He didn't get a yes to his fasting. If fasting is just a tool to get stuff from God, then you get a no. I tell you people who are fasting for their families back home in Egypt. Fasting and praying. The situation gets worse and worse and worse. Does that mean that they're fasting, like get rid of the fasting? I know there have been times where I have, and maybe you have, fasted and dedicated a fast to getting closer to God, overcoming a sin. And the end result of the fasting is you more deeper in the sin than you started. The goal of fasting is not to get something from God. The goal of fasting is to offer something to God, and that it should be an act of worship, fast for Him. Number two, focus on fasting from sin, not just on food. Especially on the Wednesday-Friday one, it's very easy to kind of take it ho-hum and make it just about food because it's such an interruption to our schedule. I'm telling you, all you do is fast from food. You are wasting. Like you are suffering and not receiving anything in return. 
focus on fasting from sin because the goal is the discipline to help me control my thoughts, my anger, my lust, my pride, my jealousy. That's the goal. The food is a means to an end, but the food is not the end in and of itself. I'll give you a passage from the Bible. The first time that God speaks very harshly against fasting is in Isaiah 58. It says this, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So he's saying, I'm about to give it to these people. I'm going to give them the business here. Something is upsetting me. Okay, let's see what's upsetting me. Yet they seek me daily, delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Pause right there. So far, what sin have they committed? Nothing. He praises them. He's saying, these are some good people. The first verse was, I'm about to give them the business. Second verse was, they seek me. They delight in obeying me. They love to approach me. They like my ordinances of justice. Okay? But they say, why have we fasted? They say, and you have not seen. We have afflicted our souls and you take no notice. What is their problem? What are they saying to God? He's saying, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous. But they're the ones who are saying, okay, if we're righteous, how can we fast? And you don't give us what we want. They're using fasting as a tool of manipulation. In fact, this is God's response. In the, day of your, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for man to afflict his soul? God saying, is what I care about that you're miserable? Is that what I want for my kids to be miserable? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush? And also to spread out sackcloth and ashes, would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? These guys, their problem was, as you see right here, is their fast was not God-centered, it was man-centered. It was themselves-centered. It was all about what they wanted. And they, they afflicted their souls, and I told you all that afflicted souls means fasting, and like beyond fasting, like in a very rigorous kind of a ascetic kind of a way. Their problem was their fast never got past the food. They stopped the eating and they stopped the food, but in the end, they were wicked to their laborers and they were not kind and not just and they committed sins in spite of their fasting. Fasting focuses on sin, not on food. True story. Happened probably three, four, five, six years ago, somewhere in that time zone, right? It was the fast of Lent, and I decided that I wanted to take it, you know, really seriously. And I'll be honest, I'll confess, all right, at the time, I was in a self-righteous kind of a place spiritually, meaning that I thought that if I fast this much, I'm this good, but if I can fast more, I'll be more good. And I wanted to push the limits on the fasting, Focusing only on the food, and I wanted to say, like, look, I'm the best. And I thought that in my mind. I, that's wrong. I admit it was wrong, but that's where I was at. And add on top of that, that I am by nature a somewhat slightly competitive person. Slightly competitive person. So for me, when I say, like, 
okay, I'm gonna fast without any food till 4 p.m. every day. Me, I'm like, you know what? I can get 4.10. And 4.10, you know what? I bet you I can get to 4.15. But you know what? I get to 5. And I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm the man. And I just put in my mind that I'm going to fast like a crazy person. And I thought in my mind that the longer I fasted, the more miserable I was, and the more I beat myself, okay, the more better I would be in God's eyes. And God made it so abundantly clear to me, he said it like this. He told me, I agree, push yourself and fast and be more rigorous than ever. And that will make you righteous in my eyes. But don't fast from food. Fast, and they started to give me. And the one the big one, the summary of them, was impatience. I'm slightly impatient person. Okay? <coughs> slightly. I'm a very impatient person. Okay? <laughs> so what God told me is, I agree, push yourself, but I don't care about the food. Don't lose your patience. And God told me, and I'm not saying this to you, I'm saying this to me. Don't not saying this to you, I'm saying this to me. He told me, I don't care if you eat a hamburger, don't lose your patience this fast. Saying that to me, not to you, okay? That was to me. God said, I don't care what food you eat. Eat all the hamburgers that you want. Don't lose your patience this fast. That was the most difficult fast of my life. My wife loved it, okay? She, uh, she, that was the best time in her life. That was the most challenging thing for me to say, you know what? I'm not going to lose my patience. I'm not going to lose my patience. And I realized how impatient a person I really am during that time. Tell you a true story that happened during that time. It's never happened since, it'll never happen again, but it happened during that time. I had to go to Walmart to return something. Honestly, the number of times in my life that I've returned an item at a store, I can count them on my hand. I hate returning things. I don't believe in it. You bought it, you suck it up like it's your fault. At most, I give it to my wife to return at some point in time. I don't go to return stuff. I just, I hate it. I'm here at this Walmart to return this dumb whatever. So I go, and I'm in the thing. It's like this little room for returns. All right? And I'm like the only one there. And the place is like a total mess, stuff all over the place. All right? And I'm just waiting there. And I'm like, be patient, be patient, be patient. You know what I mean? I want to twiddle in my thumbs, be patient, be patient, be patient. Of course, I'm not patient. All right? And I want to scream. All right? But I'm being patient. And then I notice, like in the back, there's two workers. And they're talking. And I'm like, and I know they can see me at the corner of their eye. I know they can see me. So I start making some noise, you know what I mean? Like, I'm being patient, but I need to get their attention. And they can see me. And finally, I'm like, they have a little bell. So I'm like, ding on the bell. And one of the workers comes out. And I'm like, oh, you know, I need to return something. And they're like, do you have a number? Do I have a number? I'm like, this is serious. Like, this is straight out of a sitcom. And I'm like, there's no one here. And they're like, well, you need a number. I'm like, okay, I need a number. So I go and I ring the bell again. Okay, that was just my own way of ringing the bell. And I pulled out a number, number 47. No joke, this is exactly what happened. About one minute later, they go, 45. 45, no joke. No 45, 46. And I'm just sitting there. And I promise you, it was that, that there's certain moments in life that you know you're not on earth. God is speaking to you, okay? Not on earth in, in a good way, I mean, not in, a, not in a bad way. You know you're not on earth in a normal way. You are in front of God. Because what God showed me right there, 
what God showed me in front of my own eyes. And I wanted to throw that person out the window. What God showed me is there's a person who is so focused on the technical details, on the technicalities, that they miss the overall big picture. And he's saying, that's why I'm telling you to fast and impatience, not good. As clear as day, lesson in front of my eyes. Saying, that's what you do with the food. You are so focused on, well, called number 45. I did what I was supposed to. No cheese on the bean burrito. And then you had 17 bean burritos. And you called that an acceptable fast. And then you were rude to your wife. You were impatient with your kids. You were an, a difficult, difficult person to deal with. But you got to the end of the day and said, look, I have my little fasting badge that I can sew on my little Boy Scout thing. And you thought you were the best. Sometimes we get so focused on the rules that we miss the big picture. The big picture of fasting is love, is mercy, is kindness, is generosity, is sharing. It isn't food. The food is to teach us the discipline, and like I said, the stationary fast, to interrupt the day-to-day, week-to-week grind, okay, that motion of life that just kind of goes and goes and goes, it's a every few days reset, reset, okay? And then life kind of pushes you, and then you reset. And that's why the church said every week, twice a week, reset yourself. Remind yourself of your weakness, of your sinfulness. Remind yourself what that sinful nature, if it's not controlled, can lead to. Very, very bad things. My question to you, my assumption at this point in time is that every single person is fasting, at least giving it a try. That's my assumption. I may be dumb, but I assume that after hearing me for the past three or four weeks babble about fasting, you at least give it a try. Why are you fasting? What's your focus? Is your focus yourself? Your focus is God. Is your focus rules? Your focus love? We stink at fasting. Fasting is annoying. Fasting is difficult because we have the wrong focus. Earlier I said that Jesus broke the fast many times for the sake of love. He broke many of the laws for the sake of love. Any examples? Samaritan woman, lady by well, you're not supposed to talk to her. But for the sake of love, I break that law. Sabbath day, not supposed to do any work. For the sake of love, I heal on the Sabbath day. That's a sinner, that's the case. Don't eat with him, now I'll go to his house. For the sake of love, I break the law. Not saying that Jesus broke the law, but I'm saying broke like the man-made rituals and the customs and things like that. I'm not saying to break the fast. I'm not saying to break the fast. I am saying to focus on the right thing in the fast. And the right thing to focus on. What is above is God, not me. Is love, not rules. I hope that after listening to me for the past several weeks, I'm sure you're not convinced that you're going to be a lifetime faster. That's fine. I agree. I don't want anyone, like I said, up in being, I promise you, I don't want anyone to do it because of me. I don't want you to say, well, Father Anthony said we have to. I don't want that. Because then you get no reward. I want you to have a reward. And what I want you to do is I want you to at least be open to trying 
and seeing, is there anything to this fasting thing that I may be missing out on? I know, like I said, I lack consistency. Well, maybe this fasting thing can help in that. I'm not saying you're going to fast next week and all of a sudden all your problems are going to be solved. But I'm saying that consistency, the discipline, that if we start to put it there and put it there and put it there, maybe it'll make a difference. Jesus said there's a reward of fasting. Early church said there's a reward of fasting. I'll bring you this last quote here from one of the great church fathers, St. Basil the Great. He's the one who wrote the liturgy that we pray. He says the following. If you don't believe me, just give him a chance. Listen to what he says about fasting. He says, fasting gives birth to prophets. She strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawmakers wise. She's a safeguard of the soul, a stabilizing companion to the body, a weapon for the brave, a discipline for champions. Fasting knocks over temptations, anoints for godliness. She is a companion for sobriety, a crafter of a sound mind. If you don't believe anything that I see, look at these guys. And they said, this fasting thing is great. And give it a try. I said from the start, I said this in week one, I don't want anyone to go from here to here fasting. If you never fasted before, then I don't want you to become all of a sudden St. Anthony the Great when it comes to fasting. I want you to start slow. I want you to just take step. That's the way Jesus wants us, just take step after step. Wherever you are in the fasting, just take a step. Give it a try. Skip breakfast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Dedicate the time that you would have in breakfast to spending some time in prayer, reading God's Word. And then maintain throughout your day, even after you have broken your fast physically, maintain this mindset. Remember me at Walmart, okay? And put in your mind, the goal is to get through this day without, and then you fill in the blank, anger. Get through this day without losing it on my wife again. Get through this day without gossiping at work. Get through this day, like just put that, start small and build. And what you're going to see is that fasting gives you momentum. Fasting doesn't solve everything, but fasting gives you a boost. You know in the video games, the nitro button. Okay, that's what it is. Fasting is the nitro button. It just gives you a, a little boost to get you going a little bit faster. Give it a try, start small, and then maybe you'll come to me and say, you know what? This fasting thing, this is the real deal. I like this fasting thing. And you then will be the one who will be championing the, 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 the purpose of fasting for others. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our fasting series. I hope, like I said, and I hope changed your mind even just a little bit about this idea of fasting. Let's stand up for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we praise you this morning for all that you are and all that you give to us. Lord, we realize that we need to repent for our arrogance and our pride, Lord, and thinking that we can do everything on our own and, and we can neglect all these tools that, that you have given to us. I pray, Lord, that you would really help us to, to take serious this issue of disciplining our flesh. And as we approach the new year and we talk about all the resolutions and changes, it wouldn't just be words that we say, but, Lord, that you would help us to implement these things and discipline our bodies and bring their bodies into subjection that we ourselves would not become disqualified. I pray, Lord, that when we stand here a year from now, that we can look back on the year gone by and see that we did grow in some way as far as our discipline and our self-control, that we are able to, to take like strides toward the perfect place that you want us to be. Bless each and every single person who's here. Everyone, Lord, during this holiday season, we pray that you really bless them and grant them to really experience your joy during these times. 
We ask this in the name of your Son, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a great week. Have a very, very, very Merry Christmas. Safe travels to those who are traveling. See you all back next week. Make sure you get your tickets for New Year's if you plan on coming.